Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy tour through mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 81, Batala and his daughters. Yeah, um, I am excited for this one. It's nice to take a trip back to the Philippines for this episode. Absolutely. It uh, it made me feel hot and humid as we were recording. And mm-hmm. I very much appreciated the drink that you made for this episode in particular. I do love tequila during the summer. I think this is going to be my my summer drink is going to be tequila. Usually I yeah, gin. Yeah, me too. Exactly. I like a light rum, a gin. We were mm-hmm. really big into gin last summer. Uh, but, you know, tequila and mezcal, like my faves right now. You know what the thing is? They're like, it's a little bit of saltiness to the drink. And then it adds like a nice contrast to whatever sweet thing you're mixing it with. So the drink that we made for this one is kind of a twist on an ocean mist, which you can find a link to a traditional ocean mist in uh, the description of this podcast. You know, I think an ocean mist is my favorite dance move to do on a yacht. That is correct. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, People who frequently dance on yachts in the summertime are our new patrons, Rose, Iron, and Anna, as well as our supporting producer level patrons, Neil, Philip, Julie, Christina, Josh, Eeyore, Jessica, Maria, Cammie, Ryan, Phil Fresh, and Deborah. You all, um, your best friends never die. That was depressing as soon as it came out of my mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's relevant to the episode. It is relevant to the episode. And if if you want to drink to forget, which we don't always suggest, but if you decide to do that responsibly, you can turn to our friends at shakerandspoon.com. We partnered with Shaker and Spoon, who are one of our sponsors and one of our absolute faves, um, to do the legend level boxes for our patrons this month. So the people that get physical merch in the mail from us every single month, they got a classy ass box of cocktail stuff supplies and a jigger and a juicer and it was so so good and you can use all of your new supplies to make some delicious pisco related cocktails it was very classy our our dear friend leanne davis posted pictures of it on twitter and i was like dear god why didn't i get one of those i know i know we got to work it out but if you guys want to go check out shaker and spoon which do like these incredible cocktail boxes that they send to every single month you can go to shakerandspoon.com and use the code spirits for 20 bucks off your first box you would be joining the ranks of sandra audra mercedes ashley buggy ashley marie leanne and cassie yeah that sounds like a true party as well as the wonderful like summer trips that people have been telling us about on twitter people Mm -hmm. are going on road trips people are going on plane trips i know that we know somebody that's spending the summer at sea doing like a semester uh in in marine school which is so neat that's cool as hell do you know what a trip is a great excuse to do julia I think it's a great excuse to show your friend a creepy podcast that will make you think that you're seeing ghosts on the side of the road as you drive through the country. Uh, not creepy at all. Or like lay on a beach. That's how I, I listen to creepy podcasts myself. It's like lay in the sunshine and keep my eyes open as I scan the horizon and listen to creepy podcasts. That sounds like you. <laughs> Yeah, but listen, if you have friends who are traveling, if you're taking trips with friends, if you're about to go on a trip and you haven't listened to any of the other shows on Multitude, take your friend's phone, subscribe them to Spirits, subscribe them to Potterless, subscribe them to Join the Party, to Waystation. We have so much great stuff for you. If you like the show, you're going to love the others as well. So that's the absolute best way to help us out, to help start our summer off on the right note and keep the show growing. Yeah, and keep yourself entertained. Those There's long days where you're not in school or not at your job, and you should enjoy it by listening to creepy-ass shit. I love it a lot. That is kind of how we do. So without further ado, 
Enjoy Spirits Podcast, episode 81, Batala and His Daughters. Amanda, you know what I love? What? I love complex family dynamics and mythology. Yeah. I know that's a very specific thing to love, but here I am talking about it with you. I mean, pretty good, pretty good podcast to start if you want to talk about it more. You know what is also something that I love? Um, musicals. Yes. Peanut butter pretzel flavor combo. Yes. Floral gin. Yes. Me. Yes. What? Um, also, on top of all of those things. Thank you. I love amazing mythological daughters. <gasps> yeah. So uh, this week, we are going to talk about the daughters of Batala. Okay. And Batala, who is also known as Batalang Melika, or the actor of creation, or Talang Maikalpo, or the actor of power, is the supreme being and creator of the universe for the Tagalog people of the Philippines. Yo, what's up, Philippines? We're heading back to the Philippines. It's been a minute. Yeah. Listeners from the Philippines remain, I think, the most engaged and like national pride listeners of all. Like every other week, we get a tweet from somebody about the Aswang and like mm-hmm. keep them coming. I love them. Uh, I'm going to call back, I guess, to our Aswang episode and be like, I apologize in advance for any mispronunciation that I do. We learn as we go. We try our best and we are always uh, excited to learn more stuff. 100%. So sorry in advance. Let's do this. Let's get a little bit of interesting background about the Tagalog people's beliefs. Okay. Um, So the Tagalog religion is known as Tagalismo because... Spain. And it is a mix of polytheism and animism, which later had influences of Hinduism uh, through trade with Asian states. Okay. When the Spanish colonized the Philippines, they brought Roman Catholicism with them because that's what they always do, always. Uh, And they forced it upon the Tagalog people in an effort to replace the shamanistic belief systems. I bet there's some syncretism on the horizon. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know how it goes. Even though by the 18th century, most Tagalogs were adhering to Catholicism, there was a secret passing down of indigenous beliefs to younger generations and preserving the belief system, which, let's be real, is my favorite goddamn thing in the world. And I see yes. you like fist pumping in the background. I super am. Good job. Good job. <laughs> I know. It's really good. Uh, So while Batala predates the arrival of Spanish missionaries, he is later identified with the Christian God. uh, And in some Tagalog languages, specifically uh, Visayan languages, uh, Batala is synonymous with God. Cool. Etymologists, my favorite people in the world, uh, believe that the name comes from the Sanskrit word for noble lord. And in Indonesian language, Batara means God and the feminine form is Batari. Wow. Which I got real into etymology this episode. I know. Any, any, um, like linguistic etymological, uh, you know, diversion that includes Sanskrit is probably going to be great. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 100% yeah. of the time. You cannot find me a word that does not fall into that category that is not amazing. Oh, yeah. Try 100%. me. Try me. <laughs> Give me a word with Sanskrit origins that isn't fucking awesome. I've got a quick description of Batala, though it's from a Spanish source, so just take that with a grain of salt as we move forward. Yeah, we do our best to find primary sources when we can from people who, you know, are experiencing and actually living these beliefs, but sometimes the historical record is patriarchal and white supremacist yeah. and, uh, you know, colonial as fuck, so we do our best. Yep, all those things. So I quote, They said that this god of theirs was in the air before there was heaven or earth or anything else, that he was ab eterno, from eternity, and not made or created by anybody from anything, 
and that he alone made and created all that we have mentioned simply by his own volition because he wanted to make something so beautiful as the heaven and the earth and that he made and created one man and one woman out of the earth from whom have come and descended all the men and their generations that are in the world. And that sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, I imagine that the the writer of this text, you know, was kind of interpreting that as evidence for the rightness of his own presumably Christian beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, like, wow, look at this story. It's so similar. This must be the God that I believe in, you know, experienced and um, told by someone completely alien to me. Right. And that is a completely valid reading of the source and all of that. I think you could also read it as, hey, as human beings, we tend to come up with the same stories. Exactly. So to a Spanish missionary, that's probably what it sounded like. Mm -hmm. To me, it sounds like, wow, human beings have been asking the same questions all over the world for all time. Yeah. Where do we come from? Who made us? Where do they come from? Mm -hmm. And it is pretty cool the kinds of I don't know, like the psychology we imagine mm-hmm. of a deity, which is by definition so like alien and unlike mm-hmm. a, unlike us and bigger than us. Um, but the fact that we imagine like either they want to see beauty or they're lonely or they want to like try out their skills and like level up constantly. I think it's it's pretty like, I don't want to say adorable, but like it's very humanizing that it human kind of beings adorable, imagine though. like the highest form of being as also like wanting to look at pretty things yeah. and, you know, not be lonely. And I, I like I like to just kind of put myself in the heads of the folks who are trying to imagine these things. They're yeah. Like, okay, uh, so... How did we get here? Uh, something created the universe. What's the something? Uh, a, a god. Who made the god? He's just been there always. So why did he make the universe? He wanted something pretty. Okay, cool, I guess. Uh, how did humans get there? He made them out of dirt. Why dirt? It was there. It's there. <laughs> I just like it. I just like the like kind of weird improv circles that must have happened in order to like philosophically come up with a reason behind creation. Yeah, and not to say that it's you know, a story that doesn't mean a lot to people right, and no, that there are like very sophisticated theological like reasoning that people have discovered slash come up with over history. Um, but I personally find real connection to people who have come before me by imagining them in like a really humanized way yes. and thinking of kids as asking like, mom, why is the sky blue? The God made it that way. Or like, uh, you know, why, why fire? Um, okay. So Zeus got mad one day and you know, like it's just, it, it really makes me smile and makes me have a lot more, um, kind of empathy and understanding for people outside my own time. Oh yeah. I prescribe to the belief that like human beings are very intelligent. Yeah. But when we're just starting to figure something out. Yeah. It takes us a minute to get there. And also it's the it's the most like distilled like vanilla extract version of a story that gets passed on over time. Like oh, yeah. you really strip it down to the basics. For which sure. is why I love when we're able to bring like really lyrical and poetic, you know, f- like sources into mm-hmm. a discussion because that's so rare. So often it's like, you know, the fewest number of words possible mm-hmm. um, that, that gets kind of transported across the centuries and the millennia. Yes, I completely agree. I didn't want to make it seem as though we are dismissing the concept of creation stories for sure but that's how we understand it and like wrap our minds around it is like i put myself in the situation like if i were trying to understand why the universe was made for the first time i I can't imagine it i know i would suck at it me too (laughs) okay 
So moving back on to Batala. Um, part of the worship of Batala has to do with Anito, which literally means the literal act of worship. Okay. Which basically it is offered prayers and sacrifices to ancestral spirits. Alrighty, makes sense. So the devotions are given to the ancestral spirits because Batala is a great lord and no one can speak with him directly because he lives in Kalawahation, which basically is heaven. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the ancestral spirits provide for the living for Batala. So they're kind of a intermediary. Oh, I see. I thought I thought the train was going the other way around. No. Yes. So the ancestral spirits kind of stand between heaven and earth, and they mm-hmm. provide what Batala can't because he's too far away. Yes. Nice. Um, when a person dies, the soul of that person becomes one of these spirits that serves Batala. Oh, yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. And and kind of a you know a really interesting example of a bigger concept that you know, those who go on or around you, you know, and, and like can participate in your life in some way. But this idea that, you know, someone who um, has died becomes like part of like the fundamental act of like a deity's love right. and and like keeping of human beings is pretty lovely. Right. And that they're still part of a community and network even after they die. And they're Precisely. still assisting the people that they love. Yeah. And the community death. stays together. And I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I do too. There are a couple of different accounts on how Batala made the world. All right. Um, one story tells how Batala was so gigantic that the sun shone bright beside him as he hunched under the sun, too tall to straighten up without burning himself. Oh my. Which I like that a lot. I got some Sisyphean vibes over here. So one day he pierced the eye of the sun with a bolo, generating just enough heat to create and sustain life, and was able to finally stand straight, pushing the colder portion of the sky just beyond the earth. They understood that like space was cold. How cool is that? Amazing. Yeah. Oh and that the, the light and the heat of the sun can be really destructive if it's anything less than like literally the like tenth of, you know, uh, the scale that Earth currently exists in. It's so freaking cool. I love human beings. Also, the the ability to conceptualize the sun as like a really big thing that is far away and also huge that's not intuitive. No. Like you look up at the sky or you look at like a cartoon of the sun rising and falling. It's like the atmosphere is like a, like a closed just sphere that mm. just rotates a bunch. Yeah. And like, that's easy to come up with. That sun's on a track and moves back and forth and is small and, and whatever. But that is pretty amazing. Yeah. It's really cool. Another story tells how there were once three gods in the universe. Batala, who was the caretaker of the earth. Ulilang Kulawala, a huge serpent who lived in the clouds. And Golong Kulawala, a winged god who loved to travel. Same. Yes. Tag yourself. <laughs> but they did not know each other. Okay. Did they know of each other? No. They didn't Ooh. know each other. They didn't know of each other until the moments of this story. Oh, man. Don't you love that trope in fiction as well of like, Dude. I thought I was the only one mm-hmm. to meet another person in my tribe. <sighs> it's real cool. I love it. Uh, so Ulilang would visit places and Earth was one of his favorite places to visit because he was lonely. That's the snake guy. Uh, one day he ran into Batala and Ulilong was not pleased because he saw Batala as a rival. Okay. I mean, that happens. Uh, he challenged Batala to a battle to decide who would be the ruler of the universe. But after fighting for three days and three nights, Batala slayed him, burning his remains. Smart. I mean, the, the dead can come back most of the time. So, you know, burn those remains. Batala then met Galang, the winged god who wandered into Batala's home. They became best friends for many years, which is very sweet. He's Uh like, hey, I just 
found this house and you seem cool. Let's become friends. But But then Galang became sick and asked Batala to bury him where Ulalong's body had been burned when he died. Okay. So he dies. Batala does this for his friend. And out of the grave, the two bodies form together to create a tall coconut tree. The first ever. Whoa. I love that. Uh, Batala, inspired by the coconut tree, decides to create creatures for the earth, building the first man and women a house out of the trunk of the coconut tree and allowing them to drink the milk and eat the coconut, eventually learning how to make clothing and tools and rope from the tree. Yeah, and like the coconut tree, as Moana taught us, uh, has everything you need for the exactly. most part. That's a really good first object. Yes. And predates human beings, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. And he's like, uh, I need something, you know. Something to, like, eat these coconut things and make stuff with it. Cool, cool, cool. We'll make people. That seems cool. That seems like the opposite way that things work, but I like it. You know know what I mean? Like, (laughs) we as human beings are very much like, I need a thing. I'm going to make that thing. Where this god was like, I love this tree. I'm going to make people to use it. Yeah. I mean, it's very beautiful, though, because, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in its use, that thing becomes even more useful and special you know, even though it necessitates the like consumption of the thing in order to give it this different purpose. Batala had a lot of kids. The ones that I'd like to focus on today are the three daughters that Batala had by mortal women, because I think that gives them a nice little twist, and I like their stories the best. Also gives you the ethos of large Irish families, which are, some are going to be okay. <laughs> some are going to be fine. It's cool. You got 12, some will be fine. Don't worry. So we're going to start with Mayari, who is the oldest of these daughters. Word. One of Mayari's infamous stories was about her rivalry with uh, Apolaki. So Apolaki was the son of Anogalai, the goddess of lost things, which, oh man, I, I want to dig into that, but another time. That's a, a tombstone epitaph for you. Goddess of lost things. Like mm. imagine who will come to the, oh, I love it. I love it. And Dumakulim, who is the guardian of the mountains. Uh, and they were born around the same time, Mayari mm-hmm. and, uh, and Apolaki. The light that shone upon the world and enabled the people and animals to see came from the bright eyes of both Apolaki and Mayari. They were loved by all because they provided this light that allowed people to see everything. I mean, yeah. Because the light of the world shone continuously from their eyes, it was always daytime on Earth. Okay, okay. Uh, in the story, Batala grows sick and falls into a deep slumber, and Apolaki and Mayari have a quarrel, each wanting to take his place and rule the world alone. Okay. Apo- classic succession drama here. Yes, for sure. Maybe the first. So Apolaki told Mayari, I am the man and I will succeed Batala to the throne. But uh-huh. Mayari, uh, uh-huh, I know. <laughs> Uh, But Mayari said that she would be the one to take her father's place as she was her father's daughter. They fought until words could no longer express their rage. So they picked up clubs and began to battle. Oh, no. I like how they started with words, though. Like, good, good effort, y'all. Hey, debate first and then pick up weapons. Yeah, That seems fair. So they fought until Apolaki was able to strike Mayari in the face, blinding her in one eye. Oh, no. Slash, I see where it's going, and I love it. Seeing what he had done, Apolaki stopped the fight and apologized, offering to share the world equally between them, saying, let us reign by turns and be friends. Okay. So Mayari agrees, and they split their reign into two. 
Apalaki becomes the sun, flooding the world with warm light because the light beams from his two bright eyes still filled and the light still filled the world while he ruled. There you go. Mayari became known as the moon, bathing the world in cool and gentle light because she was blind in one eye. Hot take, moon's better. I, totally I mean, agree. think about all the stories we've heard the moon involved always, in. Always, always better. So much better. 100% of the time. You got gardens, you got cool nighttime flowers, you got wolves, you got like, you know, fertility tie-ins, got tarot. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so just a note, because I'm sure someone will bring it up. Uh, in some stories, Apalaki is also known as Adlaw and is one of Batala's other children, which adds a whole other level to the story. Oh, of the, like the sibling situation? Yes. Yeah. Because they're not siblings in the story that I told, but right. in some stories they are siblings, and it's a whole thing. I like, though, that um, they can both be what they are and be complementary. Like any, I mean, I, I love this kind of balance, whether it's like our very first episode with Persephone in the seasons, um, you know, or like the very many gods and goddesses we've talked about that uh, embody, you know, diametrically opposed things. I think it's really instructive for just your life to hear examples of how in, you know, mythology and folklore different things can actually both be valuable and be more valuable for the presence of the other. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be one winning out. Right. And I like I like the idea too, because a lot of times when you're looking at um, folklore about the sun and the moon, they're like rivals yes. a lot of the time. And like this was the case there, but they decide, hey, this is stupid that we're fighting. Let's share the universe itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's a much better ending to the story in my personal opinion. Absolutely. And as anybody near the poles of the earth will tell you all night or all day, not great. No, it kind of sucks. Aside from this story, Mayari is known to be the most charming and beautiful of the goddesses and is also the goddess of combat, war, revolution, hunt, weaponry, beauty, strength, the moon, and the night. What more do you need? I mean, she's basically got it all covered. Agriculture, whatever, just, fine. Just goals, honestly. <laughs> In her honor, there is a courtship tradition that takes place on the night of a full moon. <gasps> Suitors give a corsage of sempugueta, which is a type of flower, I think, uh, to the woman that they're interested in, and if she accepts them, she wears the corsage, and the two pledge their love with the moon as their witness. Love it. It's really Sun God, cute. get at me. Get at our level. <laughs> By ours, I mean we are both moon goddesses. Round. Craggy. Sometimes got half a face. Sometimes not there. Affect the water around me. Moon goddess. Correct. That's that's us. That's both of us. We're going to move on to Tala, who is the goddess of the morning and evening star, and her name means bright star. I am hearing some liminal space vibes, and I love it a lot. Mayhaps. Some transition between night and dark, uh, and just, those are the same thing, and light. Every year on RuPaul's Drag Race, there's this thing called Snatch Game, where the um, queen's uh, sort of dress as celebrities and like have a panel show it was fucking incredible this year someone was my angelou and like quoted poetry and it was it was incredible but they brought back my favorite snatch game participant of all time who is a queen that dressed up as judge judy and uh rupaul loves judge judy and to see rupaul just like laugh over just the appearance of this queen in judge judy drag was like the best thing i've ever heard i love it that sounds amazing oh, so good with tala there is a story about how the sun god in the story is known as aro and mayari both had large families of stars but Mayari was worried that her stars could not survive the heat of Aro. Okay. So they both agreed to destroy their stars. But when Aro devoured his, because, you know, 
vor. Men. Just made myself laugh with a vor joke. That's fine. <laughs> Listen, I don't yuck a yum. Live your life. Mayari instead hid all of her star family in the clouds. Yes. Where they would occasionally emerge because, you know, they're clouds. They're right. not super, they're kind of patchy at times. They're very chill. <laughs> Um, so Aro discovers this and is angered and eternally is pursuing Mayari in an attempt to destroy her, hence the sun and moon going round and round. I, I like them just equitably sharing Earth better, but uh, fair enough. Uh, so at dawn, Mayari hides the stars and brings them forth only when Tala, who is the evening and morning star and is first to appear and last to disappear at night, says that the sun is too far away to capture the rest of the stars. That is very beautiful. It's I very, like that imagery. I like a lot. that imagery, really. It's awesome. I love it. Do you remember uh, when we first learned that uh, clouds were water? Do you remember that? It was no, in, like, I don't. I mean, you might have like learned it just in, in your as a, as a kid. But for me, it was in eighth grade earth science where you were learning about the like various states of, you know, water. Yeah. And then I just like for whatever reason, the first time put it together, that clouds were just like water hanging in the air. And I was like, ah! it was like the, the, it was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. It was uh, it was amazing. Um, I, I like your cloud revelation. And I like that it took you to the age 13. <laughs> Listen. I have other strengths. All right. I know you do. <laughs> Just not pop culture. I think in a nine science of my earth stuff. science regions. Missed that. Missed that hundo. Uh, so oh, well. Okay. Uh, so Tala is said to have supported the creation of the Tagalog traditional constellations and uses light spheres or orbs to ferry men to safety at night. Ooh. This, of course, was ruined by the Spaniards. Damn it. Uh, Spain? Who demonized the light orbs and called them Santelmos or i mean saint elmo's fire yeah um so they are now considered a creature in philippine mythology and are called a ball of fire in fields and swamps it bounces along and rolls away it changes into a beast with fire in its mouth travelers and fishermen follow it at night they walk and walk till they are tired out then they cannot find their way home They walk into the deep mud and thorny bushes. They get dizzy and become insane. They must reverse their clothes to uh, to send it away. Then they can find their way home. So this actually mirrors a bunch of different trickster spirits from Western folklore. So it's not completely surprising that the Spaniards adapted those lights into something malicious because it's what they were familiar with. Yeah. And that's how syncretism goes is either you subsume an existing tradition and say, yep, that's that one's Jesus. Don't worry. That's God. Yep. That too. Or Or it's a demon. You make it part of kind of demonology. So rather than them being guides from the goddess, which is a much more pleasant yeah imagery i was going to say it's such a nice departure from this like will of the wisp style like inherently malicious you know trickery type thing yeah nope instead they are tricksters that purposely get travelers lost which kind of sucks Damn it, Thanks, colonialism. come on uh so the last is hanan uh who unfortunately is not as popular as her sisters i couldn't find as much information on her she's listed within the trio constantly right but it's she's the peggy yeah she's the peggy uh so she is the goddess of the morning okay uh the first prayer of the day is given to batala apalaki and her as a sign of the new day all right she is involved during the entrance of a new age or a new phase in a person's life she is offered bountiful harvests and prayers during the birth of a child the transition into adulthood the death of a person the entrance into planting season the beginning of a new harvest and the start of the annual cycle love it 
there's your there's your liminal there she is <laughs> my liminal goddess I uh, love so it. these prayers must be done at the break of dawn because morning uh and her symbols are the dawning sun and of course the rooster hey uh yeah so that's our daughters and batala i love them all i love this creation myth i love the philippines me too same we should do a trip to the philippines that's gonna be like a high high patreon goal i know right or like I don't know. I'm just saying, I think we can make a TV show and I think it could be about traveling and experiencing folklore in different places. And that's all I'm saying. Hey, hey, TV networks, hit us up. Hey, if you're a TV producer or you know one, get in touch. Get in touch. <laughs> so I think that was a, a rather sweet episode. I do. I, I like it a lot. I like that it's stuff that I, you know, look at and experience every day. Um, I love that version of a like benevolent will of the wisp, um, a sort of, you know, guiding force. I also just love, I, I know this is a little bit like inherently gendered, but um, I, I love stories where either it's it's true or fiction, like women have to kind of resort to subterfuge and like they don't have the inherent power in society mm-hmm. and aren't gifted with like resources and and like the power to do things so they make do with what they have and it's you know hiding it's doing things in the background it's like the slow burn long con and i just think it's great it's it's you know doing what you can with what you have and being badass despite society um not letting you be i 100 percent agree and i love stories about empowering women right on and, so and like literally fighting for like their control over their over the world that's I know. cool as hell and i love that in in the version that you shared today her answer to well i'm the boy was well i'm the girl <laughs> like what do you want i'm the daughter fuck yeah. you yeah doesn't it's, mean you're better than me ah uh, it's awesome so yeah. listeners as you look up at the sun and stars and moon remember stay creepy stay cool Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, directors, commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.